Long History The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus Part 6 An Infinite Number of Indians Venezuela and Trinidad Hello everyone, have you got your cup of tea at the ready? Because the third voyage of Christopher Columbus, part 6, is about to start. There are already five episodes released about this journey, so I'm sure they'll be available on your podcast provider, or you can look them up on longhistory.net, our website. We've got documents about lots of voyages now, including by Francis Drake, Sir Walter Raleigh, Magellan, Vasco da Gama, and many more. However, this voyage focuses on one of the most controversial people in history, Christopher Columbus. And here we give you the source document itself so you can judge yourself about those controversies. In this episode in particular, Columbus meets a number of the local people in the Trinidad and Venezuela area. We've covered the first two journeys, but on this third journey, Columbus sails more to the south than on his other journeys. And in this way, he's reached the southern Caribbean, particularly the island of Trinidad. In previous episodes, he sailed along the southern coast of Trinidad, thinking that the land he sees to his left is a series of islands, when in fact it's the South American mainland. He sailed along and entered today's Gulf of Paria, which he calls Gulf of Ballena, the whale. And without even knowing it himself, he's got a little trapped in this gulf. It's only got a relatively small entrance and exit. As usual, a quick reminder that a man called Las Casas wrote this document. It's the nearest we've got to Columbus's document itself, but this is Las Casas, who had access to Columbus's document, reporting that document even though it's been lost to time. So with those explanations out of the way, let's get on with this, The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 6, An Infinite Number of Indians, Venezuela and Trinidad. He sailed to a small port Monday, August the 6th. Five leagues from whence he went out and saw people. And then a canoe with four men came to the caravel which was nearest the land, and the pilot called the Indians as if he wished to go to land with them. And in drawing near and entering he submerged the canoe, and they commenced swimming. He caught them and brought them to the admiral. He says that they are of the colour of all the others of the Indies. They wear the hair, some of them, very long, others as with us. None of them have the hair cut as in Española and in the other lands. They are of very fine stature and all well grown. They have the genital member tied and covered and the women all go naked as their mothers gave them birth. This is what the Admiral says, but I have been, as I said above, within thirty leagues of this land Yet I never saw women that did not have their private parts at least covered. The Admiral must have meant that they went as their mothers bore them as to the rest of the body. To these Indians, says the Admiral, as soon as they were here, I gave hawks bells and beads and sugar, and sent them to land, where there was a great battle among them. And after they knew the good treatment, all wished to come to the ships. Those who had canoes came, and they were many, and to all we gave a good welcome and held friendly conversation with them, giving them the things which pleased them. The Admiral asked them questions, and they replied, but they did not understand each other. They brought them bread and water, and some beverage like new wine. They are very much adorned with bows and arrows and wooden shields, and they almost all carry arrows poisoned. 
Tuesday, August the 7th, there came an infinite number of Indians by land and by sea, and all brought with them bread and maize and things to eat and pitchers of beverages, some white, like milk, tasting like wine, some green, and some of different colours. He believes that all are made from fruits. Most, or all of it, is made from maize, but as the maize itself is white or violet and reddish, it causes the wine to be of different colours. I do not know of what the green wine is made. They all brought their bows and poisoned arrows very pointed. They gave nothing for beads, but would give as much as they had for hawks' bells and asked nothing else. They gave a great deal for brass. It is certain that they hold this in high estimation, and they gave in this Española for a little brass as much gold as anyone would ask, and I believe that in the beginning it was always thus in all these Indies. They call it Ture, as if it came from heaven, because they called heaven Ureo. They find in it I do not know what odour, but one which is agreeable to them. Here the Admiral says whatever they gave them from Castile they smelled it as soon as it was given them. They brought parrots of two or three kinds, especially the very large ones like those in the island of Guadeloupe, he says, with the large tail. They brought handkerchiefs of cotton very symmetrically woven and worked in colours like those brought from Guinea, from the rivers of the Sierra Leona, and of no difference. And he says that they cannot communicate with the latter, because from where he is now to Guinea, the distance is more than 800 leagues. Below he says that these handkerchiefs resemble almaisars. He desired, he says, to take half a dozen Indians in order to carry them with him, and says that he could not take them because they all went away from the ships before nightfall. But Wednesday, August the 8th, a canoe came with twelve men to the caravel, and they took them all, and brought them to the ship of the Admiral, and from them he chose six and sent the others to land. From this it appears that the Admiral did it without scruple, as he did many other times in the first navigation, it not appearing to him that it was an injustice, and an offence against God and his neighbour to take free men against their will, separating fathers from their sons and wives from their husbands, and that according to natural law they were married, and that other men could not take these women, or those men other women, without sin and perhaps a mortal sin, of which the admiral was the efficient cause. And there was the further circumstance that these people came to the ships under tacit security, and promised confidence, which should have been observed toward them. And beyond this, the scandal and the hatred of the Christians, not only there, but in all the earth and among the peoples that should hear of this. <sighs> he made sail then towards a point which he calls De La Guja. He does not say when he gave it this name, and from there he says that he discovered the most beautiful lands that have ever been seen, and the most populated and arriving at one place, for which its beauty he called Jardines, where there were an infinite number of houses and people, and those whom he had taken told him there were people who were clothed, for which reason he decided to anchor, 
and infinite canoes came to the ships. These are his words. Each one, he says, wore his cloth so woven in colours that it appeared an almaisar, with one tied on the head and the other covering the rest, as has been already explained. Of these people who now came to the ships, some, he says, wore gold leaf on the breast, and one of the Indians he had taken told him there was much gold there, and that they made large mirrors of it, and they showed how they gathered it. He says mirrors, wherefore the admiral must have given some mirrors. And the Indian must have said by signs that of the gold they made those things, for they did not understand the language. He says that, as he was going hastily along there, because he was losing the supplies which it had cost him so much labour to obtain, and this island Española is more than 300 leagues from there, he did not tarry, which he would have wished very much in order to discover much more land, and says that it is all full of very beautiful islands, much populated, and very high lands and valleys and plains, and all are very large. The people are much more politic than those of Española and warlike, and there are handsome houses. If the admiral had seen the kingdom of Jaragua, as did his brother the Adelantado and the court of the king Beechio, he would not have made so absolute a statement. Arriving at the point of Aguja, he says that he saw another island to the south fifteen leagues, which ran southeast and northwest, very large and very high land, and he called it Sabeta, and in the afternoon he saw another to the west, very high land. All these islands I understand to be pieces of the mainland, which by reason of the inlets and valleys that separate them seem to be distinct islands, notwithstanding that he went clear inside the gulf, which he called Bayena, enclosed, as is said, by land. And this seems clear, since when one is, as he was, within the said gulf, no land bears off to the south except the mainland. Next, the islands which he mentioned were not islands, but pieces of the mainland, which he judged to be islands. He anchored at the place he had named the Jardines, and then there came an infinite number of canoes, large and small, full of people, according to what he says. Afterwards, in the afternoon, there came more from all the territory, many of whom wore at the neck pieces of gold of the size of horseshoes. It appeared that they had a great deal of it, but they gave it all for hawk's bells, and he did not take it. And this is strange that a man as provident as the Admiral, and desiring to make discoveries, should not have seized this opportunity for trading, as he did on his first voyage. Yet he had some specimens from them, and it was of very poor quality, so that it appeared plated. They said, as well as he could understand by signs, that there were some islands there where there was much of that gold, but that the people were cannibales. And the Admiral says here that this word cannibales, everyone there held as a cause for enmity, or perhaps they said so because they did not wish the Christians to go yonder, but that they should remain there all their life. 
The Christians saw one Indian with a grain of gold as large as an apple. Another time there came an infinite number of canoes loaded with people, and all wore golden necklaces and beads of infinite kinds, and had handkerchiefs tied on their heads, as they had hair well cut, and they appeared very well. It rained a great deal, and for this reason the people ceased to go and come. Some women came who wore on the arms strings of beads, and mingled with them were pearls or aljofars, very fine, not like the coloured ones which were found on the islands of Babueca. They traded for some of them, and he says that he would send them to their highnesses. We've said a number of times now that Las Casas can't help but intrude in this text, and in this episode is his strongest intrusion yet. Now we've not really gone into much detail about who this Las Casas is, but he's actually quite a historic figure in himself. He's perhaps most famous for condemning the treatment by the Spanish of the local people in the Americas. And here we see just a hint of that righteous fury. And it's a curiosity that it isn't only today that Columbus has been condemned for taking people in this way. Las Casas does it here, when he says, It not appearing to him that it was an injustice and an offence against God and his neighbour to take free men against their will, separating fathers from their sons and wives from their husbands, and that according to natural law they were married, that other men could not take these women, or those men other women, without sin, and perhaps a mortal sin, of which the Admiral was the efficient cause. Las Casas, as we can see here, saw this very much in Christian terms, pointing out in particular the casual way in which Columbus takes these people, with no moral qualms apparently. So it is worth noting that other people from Spain and Europe were having moral qualms about these things even around those times. In the next episode, Columbus continues to visit this area, meeting and trading with the people, exploring an area which he believes is full of islands, but in fact is just one big gulf between Venezuela and Trinidad. Thank you for listening to this episode everyone. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this with your cup of tea. If you have, please do give it a like and share it if you can to help promote long history. With these documents in particular, we would like to go as near to the source as possible and make these as widely available as possible. Thank you for listening. This was The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 6, An Infinite Number of Indians, Venezuela and Trinidad. Goodbye.